Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SOMA Podcast. I'm Hannah Anderson, and over the last few months, I've had the privilege of being visiting teacher at SOMA Church. If you listen regularly, you might remember me from earlier episodes with Brandon. We chatted through the vocation sermon series, and earlier in the spring, we read through turning of days together. This fall, however, we're going to be turning our attention and our conversation to the book of Acts. Brandon's going to be preaching through it over the next couple months, and some of us are gathering for a Bible study. So we thought we'd take the podcast in that same direction. But instead of going through the book of Acts, we want to highlight what the book of Acts highlights. And one of the most important themes in that book is the Holy Spirit's presence and power in the life of Jesus's followers. Too often as believers, we can think that we're working for God rather than that God is working through us. And if there's one thing the book of Acts shows us, it's how the Holy Spirit came upon the church to empower them to witness and to fulfill the ministries that God had given them. Whether it's the birth of the church in Acts 2 or healing of the lame man or Stephen's sermon in Acts 6, The Holy Spirit is empowering believers in a whole host of different ways to bear witness to the name of Jesus. So this fall on the podcast, we're going to do just that. We're going to turn the mic over to SOMA members to hear how the Spirit is at work among us. We're calling the series Empowered, Stories of the Unconventional, Unexpected, and Surprising Work of God. You're going to hear stories from folks and all the different ways that the Holy Spirit is meeting us and preparing us for the work God is calling us to. Whether it's calling us into a season of prayer, healing old divisions or pain, or prompting us to new levels of generosity, the Holy Spirit is at work. We just need eyes to see it. So this fall, what we want to do is put those stories front and center. And if you have a story to share, if you've seen the Holy Spirit at work in a particular place, whether it's in your own life or someone else's, reach out to me at hannahanderson at somaindy.com. We're going to get started today with Steve and Amy Jager. Steve and Amy are relatively new to SOMA. Steve's just taken the position of Director of Community Formation. And they're going to share with us how they discern the call of God to move from Illinois to Indiana. They've also got some particular insight on what to do when you're waiting for the call of God. How do you live faithfully when you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to move? Here's Steve and Amy. Well, we are so glad to have Steve and Amy Jager on the podcast today. So Steve and Amy, welcome. Thank Thank you. you. It's really good to be here. Now, as I said, you're relatively new to SOMA, and so I know you've probably met a whole lot of folks. It's a funny thing when you're the new person. Um, Everybody knows and recognizes you, but you've got a whole congregation um, to meet. But also, I think sometimes our conversations when we first meet people, we're, we're pretty surface level. So I wanted to give you guys maybe a few minutes to tell us more, like, like tell us a little bit more about who are the Jaggers. Give us a little bit more than we might get on a Sunday morning. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Hannah. Um, well, I'm Steve and we both, Amy and I, uh, come from central Illinois, uh, different parts of it. I grew up in Peoria, Amy in Galesburg, but, um, 
I stayed there all of my childhood. Amy moved around uh, growing up, but then we eventually met when we were in college together at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And so that is uh, the city that we have called home for the last 25 years or so, um, at least since my freshman year. Yeah. yeah, and like Steve said, I grew up in central Illinois. We moved a lot. Um, and I grew up in a wonderful, loving home, the youngest of four children. And um, I became a Christian in middle school as I was invited to go to church after sleepovers with my girlfriends uh, who were all uh, church-going families. And my one of my friend's moms um, led me to the Lord in Sunday school class, and I'm still in contact with her today. Um, and just was a, a beautiful picture of the community that God forms around us. And I'm grateful to, for her um, for her willingness and openness, because we have we have middle school kids, and so we know what middle school sleepovers are like. <laughs> yes, yes, but I, I'll agree with you that some of the most formative aspects of my spiritual life were developed in middle school and high school, mm -hmm. and the things that I still carry with me to this day were put in place by really kind, caring adults who could see the needs of even a middle schooler. Maybe. Yeah, we're seeing that now for, we have two of our kids are middle schoolers and we're seeing that happen now as well. Well, tell us some more about your family. Tell us about your kids. Tell us about when you all, I hear you met at college, but how did that all play out? <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we like this part of the story. We uh, <laughs> kind of weave in and out here. So yes, yeah, so I came from a, a totally non-Christian background, a, a non-church going. Uh, I was kind of kept away from uh, the church growing up uh, in Jesus and the Bible. But when I got to college, I uh, was curious and got uh, and started looking around and actually landed at this one particular church right on the, the eastern border of the U of I campus, heard the gospel for the first time and was hooked. And then over time, just got more and more involved. And one of the, the primary ways that I got involved at toward the beginning was um, in that kind of that mid 90s season of American evangelicalism, there was all this drama ministry stuff, if you remember that. So I do. yeah, we, we, I we do oh, yeah. remember that. Oh yeah, with 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 fun. <laughs> fun feeling. <laughs> um, so we we did some of that at, at our church. And uh, there was one year, uh, I think the weekend of Valentine's Day, yep. mm -hmm. my junior year, Amy's freshman year, where we got thrown together into this drama that was going to be illustrating the sermon that was about, well, it was, it was geared, it was going to get people toward the love of God, not just romantic love, but it was a drama. The drama was called The Real Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I played. That's a fantastic yeah. setup. It was more. <laughs> so, and who, who were you? So, so I played a, a woman looking for my true love, and I and Steve played three different characters. Options. <laughs> options. She had options. Yeah. That he came in as Bess, Felix, and Frank, and <clears throat> surprise, none of them were a great fit. <laughs> But uh, we, I didn't actually even go to our, this church at the time. We, and Steve barely, uh, he had just, well, I guess well, I, I for had a been little bit, a yeah. Years. but we were thrown into it and um, met there. And we were kind of awkward because we didn't know each other at, at all. And um, so we, then, you know, we did this little drama 
and then uh, kind of went our separate ways for a few years. And then I started going to that church a few years later. And then um, we were just, we were, we became friends. We were friends for six years before we ever started dating. Um, yeah. So I like that. I actually like that approach and I would recommend it um, to, to lay that kind of real world friendship. There's a lot of good that can come from. I really friendship. agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, uh, we did the drama again when Steve was in grad school and I, I was so. uh, a senior in college and uh, apparently they liked it the first time. And so were we you dating at that point? No, no, no. not. Yeah. But we were actual friends by that. It's point. like, everybody's like, you know, we got to do this a second time around because they did not get the message. It, it didn't, they did it not didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> It's like we tried to set them up the first time, and here we are. <laughs> well, tell us about your family then. After you got married, um, kids, what what happened next? Ministry. Yeah, so we got married in June of '05, and then um, in August of that same summer, we moved out to Massachusetts when Steve was uh, starting seminary at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, and I was auditing some classes and got a job working there, um, trying to sort of waiting on, um, direction from the Lord of what the next thing was, was, uh, was I going to enroll in a degree program or what that looked like? I had been on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship with, um, fraternity and sorority students for three years and left staff as we got married and, um, was asking the Lord, what was the next thing? And so, um, we moved in August and then in October, we surprise found out we were expecting our first child. Here's so, your next thing. Yes, there's my next thing. <laughs> um, so we, um, Ethan was born about two weeks after our first anniversary and was uh, the surprise of our life and a wonderful surprise that he was. And then um, later we had Bella and then Owen and then Noah. So we have four kids. And you know what I love about the, the the way God works in our lives is we we usually have zero idea of what's going to come. Like like we have plans, right? And we think, well, maybe this or maybe I'll do this. And then you have Ethan. You know, you, you have <laughs> God both draw, pulling you along, drawing you along, guiding you along, but also saying, oh put your turn signal on here we're going to take a turn this way and yeah. and i think you know not just with family life but i'm sure with ministry too um it's been that way for you all where you're in a ministry or you're working or you think this is where you're going to be and then put the turn signal on it's time to right. go where god is yeah. leading. yeah i mean and that's uh very much the the story of us coming to soma as well um because so uh College happened for both of us. We got married, went out to Gordon Conwell, and then when we when we moved out there, we did not know what was going to be happening afterwards. There was no sort of guarantee of, you know, going back to that uh, church in Champaign, um, though that was always our hope and dream because we we just loved that church so much, and God worked it out so that uh, the senior pastor, uh, who had led me to the Lord, uh, he retired and the associate pastor who was a dear friend stepped up into the lead role. And then the church was ready to hire a new associate pastor, just as I was getting ready to graduate. So, um, through all of those circumstances and more, uh, 
God opened the door for us to go right back to this church where that had played such a huge role in our, our formative years of, uh, in, in the faith. Um, so we did, we went back in 2008 and I was on staff there as an associate pastor for 13 years, uh, doing different things. I was the, the worship pastor, worship director for seven, yeah, seven ish years. And then the last six, I was the spiritual formation director. I was the site pastor of a, of a smaller second site um, for a short time. And uh, yeah, there was, there was certainly discernment and listening to God's voice and all of that. But then I think where, I mean, you talked about a turn signal being put on and then having to make a kind of a right angle, uh, right angle turn. That's, uh, that's kind of where uh, coming to Soma, where, where that story fits fits that description pretty well. We, um, th this was, uh, th th moving here to Soma has been a really great experience for us, um, but it actually wasn't a transition that we were initially looking for uh, in any way. So, you know, this time last year, neither one of us would have told you that we would be coming to Indianapolis. I was gonna ask you about that. I mean, in my experience of walking with the spirit and God's leading, um, you can look back over even a year, a few months and say, oh my, what, what just happened? And not in a bad way, but like in a, I was totally not expecting that to be the route. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, um, a year ago, you're not in Indianapolis yeah. and now you are. Yeah. Even what, six months ago, we weren't in Indianapolis. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, about a year ago, it was the beginning of October, 2020. Um, I was just starting a sabbatical. Um, I had been in ministry for, well, a little over 12 years at that point had not had a sabbatical. I realized that a lot of pastors don't get one for whatever reason, but I, uh, every pastor needs that that needs to be a recurring rhythm uh in pastoral ministry and um we needed that the two of us because we at that point were about four years four-ish five-ish years into a really heavy season of ministry there there had been lots of there there had been pain and hurt um not just for us personally but at our church overall there it had been a real tumultuous season and there'd been a lot of leadership changes. And uh, this last October was finally the point where things had stabilized enough where it was even possible for, for us to think about me taking a sabbatical. Um, so that, that worked out. Uh, and uh, the new lead pastor helped to push that through, um, which was wonderful. So uh, all the way through mid-January of 2021, I was on this... <clears throat> sabbatical and it was good obviously COVID impacts some things but it didn't you know it didn't destroy that at all uh it was it was a very restful time and good for us as a family but coming back from that um that the newly pastor started a conversation with me pretty much right away about okay what's next in ministry mm -hmm. and at first we were thinking of it in terms of what counseling could the church help me getting uh to kind of work through some of the hard stuff from the previous several years or how could we think about retooling my job description? And so that's the way we were working. But then about a month and a half later, that conversation unexpectedly turned toward the pastor saying, I've discerned that God is saying it's time for you to move on. And that was hard. 
to hear. Uh, mm. It was not something that Amy and I had heard, at least not at this time. When our previous pastor, uh, you know, our dear friend had left, we knew there was a clock ticking somewhere, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. felt like we needed to stay, felt like God was calling us to stay, mm-hmm. to see the church through a, a rocky transition season. And so we were still doing that and had not heard from him, hey, it's time to go, the, the season is over. But this message came and it was, a, it was sort of a scenario of, okay, this is a decision that's been made. We now need to decide what to do with it. How are we going to respond to that? What is God saying in all of that? And it was, it was tough. Mm-hmm. It was a tough season, but, but also um, just knowing that when we moved back to, to our previous church and to the Champaign-Urbana community, we didn't expect to stay there forever. We knew that um, it is unlikely and mostly in some ways unreasonable to think that you would serve out your whole ministry career at one church. And so we were always open, kind of open-handed with the Lord, even when we were in Massachusetts in the idea of coming back, we had an open hand saying, Lord, this is our desire, but we know that you could call us elsewhere and we we will go. Um, and so in the last couple of years, we had been thinking and talking about that saying, okay, um, is the Lord, what's the Lord doing? What's he asking of us? Where is he directing us? And we had, we had heard, you know, stay and, mm, yeah. but we were, we were trusting that he would, he would lead and guide, but, but we didn't have um, a firm, we're staying forever. We're never leaving, but it was, the timing was a uh, was it took us by surprise yeah i i hear everything you're saying that's been my experience of walking with the lord over the years in ministry and other things where you can have a sense that okay this thing may come to an end or this thing may come but it's the timing it's it's the kind of waiting and and i think that's such an interesting dynamic because that's exactly what we're seeing in acts um in acts 1 where the disciples are told something's going to come for them they're going to go out into the world and they're going to be witnesses for god and then the very next thing is oh but wait wait so, yeah. so this is coming but wait and so there's this i, I kind of want to flip the story inside out if we can for a minute because i hear all of the um, you know, practical, this thing happened and then this thing happened and this thing happened. But I want to hear um, what happened inside of you while mm-hmm. that's going on, while you're waiting. What kinds of things in, in your walk with God or in your spiritual life, what are the threads behind that that yeah. you found were really significant to just even be in a place where you could either wait or when an unexpected call came, you could be ready to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, a lot of threads, and I think the first, the first group of threads that I would that I would point to, uh, at least in in our situation, and I would bet it'll be that way for a lot of people, uh, is uh, would be the threads that we would tend to think of as being kind of negative emotions. But I, I don't know that they're negative; they're real emotions, and they need to be experienced and they need to be processed through. So for us, there were things like anger and loss and grief. Um, I, I mean, bewilderment is probably the first, uh, you know, label that we could slap on anything that we were feeling. For probably the first two weeks after, you know, receiving this news, we were just in kind of a fog. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, in terms of trying to hear God's voice and think about what's the next step, we weren't even capable of thinking about a next step at that point. And I think, I'm not sure what jolted it. I don't know if it was a jolt out of a bewildering fog or, or what that process was. I can't think of it now. I, I think that time of bewilderment after an unexpected transition, that's probably going to be different. That The length of time and the depth of it and the specific emotions within it will be different for everybody. But eventually, when we came around to recognizing, okay, this is a decision that has been made, and now we have to decide how we're going to respond mm. to it. Um, and we didn't, we didn't want to react to it. We didn't want to, uh, you know, we, um, in, in previous years, we had seen some, some really hurtful examples of people reacting to things in life in the church that had been hurtful to them. And unfortunately, their reaction back against that had been explosive and just deeply damaging. And that was the opposite of what we wanted to do. So, that's where some of this waiting comes in. Some of the waiting that God calls has called us to anyway, in finding what's next has been the waiting of uncomfortable emotions not going away right away and having to deal with them through lament and bringing them to God on your own, but then also finding the, the right, good, safe people to process them with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been a big... Oh, sorry, did you... Well, I just, not to extend the point too far, but as I hear you talking about unexpected transitions, bewilderment, I can't help but think again of Acts 1, where the disciples were so sure that God was, through Jesus, was going to bring about restoring the kingdom. And, and in fact, even within Acts, they're still thinking that way, yeah. right? They're, they're like, is it now? Are you going to do what you said now? And so they were in this remarkably bewildering time where they go from expecting the kingdom to Jesus being crucified, and then he's raised again, and then he's with them, but now he's leaving. And so- yeah, Talk about whiplash. Right, to your point of the wisdom of- right after that season, God calling them to wait, calling them to a time of prayer and, and a little bit of saying, you know, we're going to have a transition period here. There, there's going to be some space before we just rush into the next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for us, some of that space, it came whether we wanted it to or not. We were just incapable of, of doing much for a little while. But then as as time went by and we were able to uh, we were able to find some appropriate and safe people to talk to about how we were doing and what might be next. Some of them being, you know, old ministry connections, yeah. even the the um, the uh, person that med- led Steve to the Lord, uh, our old pastor and his wife, who was um, a dear friend and colleague of mine with university that we've remained friends with. So we had these um, these trusted friends and fr- trusted ministry connections that we went to to pray with, to ask for um, their um, just to be part of this process with us and to trust the Lord with us for the what's next. Yeah, I, I think a part of that, so so his name was Bill, her name was Mindy. One of the things that Bill and Mindy helped us with so much was in a, in a time of bewildering transition like this, it actually, and I can see this in the disciples example in Acts 1 and in the ends of the gospel accounts, um, 
that kind of like world changing, life shattering transition that bewilders you, it can shake you to the point of questioning some of the most fundamental things that you thought you knew about yourself or about God or about the world. And for me in particular, um, Amy, it, it might've been a little bit different for Amy. I was asking the question, okay, am I even still called to be a pastor right now? Because I, I can think back to how God put those pieces together many, many years ago to lead me toward knowing, yeah, pastoral ministry is where I'm going. But when this transition came upon us, we were shaken and I was shaken to the point of thinking, do I just need to get out of ministry? We even talked about like our, our shorthand for talking about what's next was, okay, do we just need to go get jobs at Lowe's? And jobs at Lowe's. That's what we're doing. Jobs yeah. at Lowe's. <laughs> and so Bill and Mindy helped us talk through that and in great part through them. And then also just time and prayer, revisiting things that God had said to us in the past. We were reminded, and I was reminded especially, that yes, this was the calling that God had put on me many years ago, and it's still the calling that's there today. As unclear as the specific next step might be, this is still the thing that we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I, I don't know that for me it was necessarily, um, is this still what God is calling us to, and Steve in particular, but um, just the what is the next thing? And, um, cause I, I, I remember at the very beginning when Steve told me that this was happening, I was like, okay, it's going to be okay. What we, you know, we've seen God care for us and to care for our family and provide and, um, through difficult things and through joyful things. And so I knew that, um, I just had a, um, a clarity that that things were going to, it was going to be okay, that we were just going to have to figure it out. What's the next thing. And that, that figuring out is heavily reliant on the Lord. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and I think there's a sense of Christian hope in that, that when you're in the midst of that bewildering time, there's a freedom to sit with it because mm-hmm. you do know that God has something that, that there is purpose there. It's not just senseless. It's not just random waiting or random suffering. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. You wait, you wait and you're dealing and how does God begin to move you on to the next thing? How does he begin to point you toward Soma? Well, and we, we, we want to be clear too. The waiting was not that long. It felt long and it felt hard, but it was, it was, In retrospect, it was weeks. It was a matter of a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe oh, three. A month and a half. I don't know. Maybe I've lost track of time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But this, there, there are some pretty cool parts of the story that show up here. So um, after we got over that hump of just being bewildered, I reached out to my ministry network and we looked around on different ministry job sites. Um, and it was our network really that kind of provided the 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 open doors and one of those uh network people was um a guy who is familiar to soma his name's rich plass uh down in southern indiana with cross point ministry rich is amazing uh and i i had been working with cross point getting different sorts of training from them for about the previous five years um and uh jim cofield another guy on staff there uh he had been my sabbatical coach i reached out and about a week after my initial email, Rich got back to me and said, hey, 
Um, you know, you were actually in our Soul Care Institute program with Emily Shields and their church up in Indy, Soma. They're, they're looking for somebody kind of like you, so you, you might want to take a look at that. So I did, and uh, I reached out to, to Brandon, uh, and then it just it started a series of conversations, and every one of those conversations just started to feel like a louder yes or a wider open door uh, in, in various ways. Some of it was the specific job description for the director of community formation. It checked so many boxes about what I want to do in ministry and uh, even some personality stuff for who I am. Well, and even the things that that God had been um, focusing Steve's passions on over the last 13 years of ministry um, in spiritual direction and spiritual formation. And sort of separately, Steve had been looking into a spiritual um, direction program and um, had been thinking about applying to this program. And this all um, kind of coincided coincided with with our transition and we were we were talking about it one night and he was like you know this program sounds really wonderful but I'm not really sure if I should apply for this um and I said actually I'm I'm very confident you should apply for this program this is definitely what it you are passionate about what the Lord has been directing you in what you have found the most joy in doing excuse me and so we, um, I, I just, I felt very confident that she, that he should apply. And so and I was like, he, okay, if you think so. <laughs> and it just so happened to be in Indianapolis. And I, um, we were discussing it and I said, you know what, no matter where we land, this is something that God has been directing your passions toward and you should apply and see what he does. So that was, um, that was sort of separately, uh, separate from finding out about Soma and um, seeing what the church was about. Yeah. And, and I just want to make a point here. As I hear you both telling the story, I hear a lot of interplay back and forth. You're obviously individuals, you know, different people who have your own personal walk with God. And yet there's this dynamic that happens when we're in community, whether that community is marriage or a church, of speaking things back to each other and and helping each other both wait to be encouraged in the waiting, but also to discern, is the spirit leading this way? And, And I know within your own dynamic, it's within marriage, but tell us a little bit about how you see that that kind of communal dimension of discerning God's will, whether it's with a spouse or with its friends or others in your community group, how does that play out? What's happening there? What's God doing in that? Yeah. One particular thing for me um, that is just sort of the contours of my personality is I, I, I can so if, if there are people listening who are familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram six. And so I'm a person who can be very given to self-doubt. I don't trust my, uh, I don't trust my, my discernment capability, my um, wisdom, uh, for example, and a lot of things. And so for me, seeking out the wise counsel of others has always been a thing that I've wanted to do. Um, and I think that's a good practice, but it can also come from a place that that's not always a healthy motivation for it. Because I, if I'm so doubtful of my own ability to hear God's voice, 
Um, it's kind of like I, I'm thinking that God doesn't speak to me. And that's just not true. But community really has provided the sort of context that clarifies what God has already been saying to me. And so people like Bill and Mindy and Rich and Jim at Crosspoint, they have played roles to point out things that sometimes I didn't see ahead of time. Other times I had seen it and I just needed another person to kind of um, verify that, yeah, that that's, that's true about you or that's true about the situation that you're in or that's even true about who God is. Remember, God's good. He's, he's looking out for you. He wants good things for you. It may not feel good on the way there. It may be really hard, but um, community around us uh, reminds us of who God is and actually walks with us as we move toward that. And that's, I, I think that's really a significant piece of discernment. Trying to do it on your own is just not how we were built to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that the the community aspect is a huge part of our listening to the Lord, whether it's in um, just listening prayer or whether it's talking out our um, passions and our um, interactions with the Lord. I think that having a community of people around us that can um, participate in our relationship with the Lord with us is um, so important. And I, even um, even in, in, in this transition was a huge piece for us to be praying with our small group and some of our dear, dear, dear friends about what was the next thing and kind of hearing from them has been a, a big part for us. And I, I love as well the recognition that this is a process. It's not that suddenly this voice from heaven speaks and you know exactly what you're supposed to do, that it, discernment and waiting inherent in the discerning process is time and yeah. this, this ability to let things play out, let God's providence reveal itself. But there's also a moment when you, that discernment process kind of clicks in place and you know, yeah. this is it. This is what's going to happen. This is where God has been leading. Was there a moment like that in coming to Soma where you're like, this is it. We God has very much this process and it is clear. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I I like what you were just saying there, Hannah. one feature of discernment, and you'll you'll read about this in uh, authors who write about discernment, is this idea of holy indifference where, you know, we tend to think of indifference being a bad thing, but in the context of discernment, indifference simply means being indifferent to the outcome, where I'm, you know, we're finally at a place where we can say, God, whatever you want, whatever you're going to do here, that's what we want to, mm-hmm. we're going to do what you want, and we're not going to, you know, uh, pre-write the end of this story. Well, when this, as this process was going on with SOMA, um, there, there, there was one other job option on the table, but that door closed very quickly. And we felt good about that. Um, but it also meant that Soma was literally the only option that was out there for us. And so the week that I had my in-person interview, the, the two of us came together for that. And, uh, the drive from Champaign, Illinois over here is about two hours. And that was the first, uh, like that car ride was the first time we had been able to talk just the two of us about this 
prior to like 11 30 p.m on any given <laughs> night so like we were finally not zombies when we were with each other and it was a great conversation and one of the first things that we recognized in that conversation was that we did not have a holy indifference mm. this was the only thing that was out there and we we saw how emotionally invested we were in the idea of coming to soma and so on that drive we started praying god we know that we're not indifferent here. We know that this is what we want because it's the only thing we see. We are going to need you to deal with that weakness in us. And so we're asking that you would make it abundantly clear, whether it's a door slammed shut and locked, or it's thrown wide open with flashing lights all around it, that this is what we're supposed to do because just our, our desires and our circumstances you know, we're not indifferent about right now. Yeah, we've had other um, situations that we've been praying for together that we were asking the Lord to speak and asking for an answer. And and the the uh, the answer has been that he would be pleased with either decision. Mm-hmm. And we were like, Lord, please don't make us guess. Please don't make us guess what we're supposed to do here. We Because we're uprooting our whole family. Our kids only knew, basically, Ethan was two when we moved back to Champaign-Urbana, but that this they, they only knew Champaign-Urbana. My, we had family that lived there. All their friends were there. We were deeply invested in the community and the schools and the church and everything. So we've, we felt like um, while this was this was the thing on the table, it also would mean a huge transition for our family. So we just needed clarity from the Lord on whether this was the right thing. Cause we were, we were, um, we wanted, we wanted the next thing, but we wanted the the right next thing. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, getting jobs at Lowe's was on the table. Like if we needed, if we were going to stay in town and wait it out and get jobs at Lowe's, cool. Just make it clear. (laughs) So what did he do to make it clear? Yeah. So when that, so that particular trip, I think this was like maybe 24th, 25th, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, We came, it was a two-day interview process. And from basically the get-go, we started having great interpersonal um, uh, reactions. Connections. Interactions. That was the word I'm looking for. Interactions with people. Um, Brandon, and then we had uh, coffee with him and Emily. And right away, Amy starts clicking with Emily, which that was going to be really important to us. Every conversation we had every interaction we had was just more of a like yeah there's good stuff happening here the second day a lot happened on the second no actually so the end of the first day uh things really began to happen um brandon and emily uh, had like a, a reception for us in their driveway and they invited a lot of the ogs of soma some of the like soma 1.0 uh people uh to come and meet us and we just got to you know have a conversation together. Um, and it was a wonderful time, but we went back to our hotel that night um, and recognized these people run at a much faster speed than I do. There are a lot of entrepreneurs in this church. There are people who are incredibly active out there, super missional folks. And it's not that we're not, but like the, the level of activity that is just obvious, uh, that is in their DNA. We saw that and it, it didn't raise a flag, but it was just, it was a light on the dashboard saying, hmm, 
Steve doesn't run at that speed. What's it going to be like for him to be on staff and to be a part of leading a church like that? I brought that up the next morning with um, Brandon and James. And I said, you know, I would, is this going to cause tension in some way? I don't, that's not my personality. And their response was, that's exactly why we would like to hire you. Mm -hmm. So here was a discernment piece where all of a sudden I saw what could be a problem. I had to, if I had kept that to myself, I, it would have, it would have been dishonest a little bit, but also it gave, by me saying something, it gave an opportunity for them and me to point out something that God seemed to be doing, something he was stirring up. And then there actually was a pretty quick answer. Yes, that's what we want. Right. Right. And there's also the temptation, if you are not wholly indifferent, to either hide it or to become what people, Mm -hmm. what you think people want you to become, and then fulfill what you believe they want of you. And and so to be able to walk in honesty, transparency, that open-handedness, to say, I'm just going to be who God has made me to be and let God do what he's going to do actually is part of following his leading because it's it's obeying the call to be who he has created you to be and and gifted you to be. So then yeah. to see that as part of the 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 click is very much um how I've known him to work. Yeah, yeah. And we absolutely saw that there. There were there were a number of other circumstantial things that happened as well. Uh that God used to kind of I, in some ways, it was maybe icing on the cake, or it was just the collection of them together was this very compelling story that made it feel like, yes, this was the wide open door with the flashing lights saying, walk through this, this is what I have for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so much so that we we went home that we were here for two days. The second day we went home, picked up our kids. Um, the next morning picked up donuts because we're not dummies and we sat down with the kids and we said we're we're moving to Indianapolis and we we knew we were sure um, that that God was calling us here and to Soma and we were really excited to tell them it was hard but um, we we it was we were confident of God's calling and um, God's open door and you know it was it was clear to both of us both um in our time here, then we got back in the car and we were both just like, okay, mm. well, now we know. <laughs> so it, we were really grateful that he um, cared for us in making it so very clear. And he heard our prayer. He heard us crying out to him and asking for that clarity because even to share that with our kids was a huge gift. Yeah. Something that, that helped a little, just, a few weeks after that as well, after I, I got a formal job offer and accepted the, the day that we came here for our first house hunting trip, we brought the kids with us. And during that day, we actually got into a hit and run car accident. Somebody crossed right in front of me as we were driving on a road. Now I have to pause here because in the tradition that I grew up in, that would be the devil trying to stop you to follow God's will. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that for sure. I just need to put that as a footnote. Sure. Understood. And I, I think maybe under other circumstances, we would have said the same thing, but what happened after that kind of showed us that God was in, in the, in the works. So we get hit and the driver just screen. He actually is chasing another car and then they're gone. 
So we pull over kind of shocked. We call the police and they're on their way to come take a report. And as we're waiting, a guy comes up to the driver's side window. And he's like, hey, I saw what happened. Are you guys okay? We strike up a conversation. And in that conversation, it turns out that he is a cross-country coach in town. And so he connected with our oldest about that because Ethan runs cross-country. Uh, then it turns out that he's actually a pastor in town. And he knows of Soma. Uh, he knows at least Brandon, maybe some other people on staff. And then when I tell him that I'm going to be sort of in the spiritual formation realm at the church, he's like, oh, that's cool. This is kind of random. But have you ever heard of Fall Creek Abbey and the School of Spiritual Direction? And my jaw drops to the floor because that's the spiritual director training program that I had just signed before coming to Soma, I had signed up for. And it turns out that this guy went through the same program mm. two years ago. We speak the same language. He cares about the same things that I do. And he was in the cohort with Steve's spiritual with director. With my own spiritual director. Yeah. 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 So out of 2 million people in Indianapolis, who comes to our aid when we get in this freak hit and run car accident, but this guy. Yeah. So this, that's one of the circumstantial pieces that it's like, God appears to be in this. And our kids got to see that, mm -hmm. which was huge. Yes. And, and, you know, as we wait on God, one of the foundational things we have to believe is that God's providence is at work, that he is powerful, that he is good, that he is working for his glory and our good. And so even things that seem circumstantial, um, when you read them in light of God's providence, you can see God's hand at work. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your story, letting us hear how God took you through a process of waiting and discerning. Welcome to Soma. And Steve, can you go ahead and close us and pray for those within the body who might be in their own time of discernment and seeking, waiting, and trying to figure out what's next? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you praise that you are a good and loving king and you are a powerful king. And you are a king who doesn't just give us some guidance or commands from a long time ago and then walks away, but you are very intimately, deeply and lovingly involved in all of the details of our lives. Lord, we recognize that sometimes we are uh, thrown headlong into circumstances that we do not choose and that do not feel good and that are bringing transition upon us in a bewildering way. Um, and we would never have chosen it for ourselves. But we thank you that in situations like that, you don't leave us alone. And my prayer right now uh, is that for anyone at SOMA, who's going through that, anyone listening to this today who's going through that, that you would show how you're coming alongside them, even if it feels like a very dark place that they're in and they can't see you, would you be present to them in that darkness? And would you speak and guide in your faithfulness? Would you bring community alongside them and surrounding them to help them discern what's going on, discern what you're saying and doing? Let your word come alive to them, not just in the book of Acts, where we see uh, your, your disciples waiting and, and having to choose to follow you through hard circumstances, but all throughout your word. And Lord, let 
community and scripture and spirit-empowered reason be the things that you use to take us further into the good plans that you have. You're good, Lord. Your love endures forever. So thank you that that's who you are. Thank you that you are at work in our lives. And we pray that you would clarify that more and more. Mm -hmm. Pray all this in your name, Lord. Amen.